everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan, and today I am joined by Andrea Rosario. So, Hello. There she is. Uh, do you want to just introduce yourself and then actually talk about like what stuck out to you as we read today? Um, so my name is Andrea. I have actually been at Worship Center for, I want to say, three years now, three and a half maybe. Um, I am married to Edwin, and he actually used to work here. Brother um, Edwin. Yes. And so we've been at the Converse team now for probably two and a half years. Probably almost three, just um, the same. Yeah. It fl- flies by really yeah. fast. Um, so yeah, so me and my family have been here. We're actually not from here. We are from Buffalo, New York. Um, but I actually really love it here in Lancaster. So, um, yeah. And so we're talking about Hannah today and Samuel and, uh, her husband, Elkanah. Um, and yeah, I mean, so much you can get from this entire book of Samuel, um, but what I wanted to point out was how encouraging and inspiring Hannah was, um, or is for women who, you know, actually want to have a child, um, and can't have a child. Um, I think the disparity that she had to deal with and go through was crazy. Um, not to mention having to deal with the abuses of Penina, um, you know, taunting her and, and, you know, who knows what she was doing, um, having to deal with that, having to deal with, um, not being able to conceive and just a whole bunch of other things that we probably don't know that went on behind the scenes. Um, just thinking about how her surrender and her faith and trust in God got her through, um, what she had to deal with. And so kind of just, kind of thinking about, wow, this woman had so much faith and so much trust in God that um, she was so desperate that she was like, you know what, if you give me a child, um, you know, she made this vow and promise to God saying, if you give me this child, I'll dedicate him back to you. And I think about as a mother, like how hard would that be having to give your own child to God. I mean, that's how desperate she was, how desperate she wanted to be a mother, how desperate she wanted a seed um, to be able to um, just say, okay, God, you know, if you even bless me, if you even give me the opportunity to be a mom, um, I'll give him right back to you. So I just think that to me, that is as a mom, I can't even fathom fathom that. Um, So reading that here is just very, very inspiring in terms of our faith as women um, in a family. Yeah. Yeah. So we just we just came through judges, and technically speaking, this would still be in that judges period. We're like at the at the very close end of that judges period. But the fact that Hannah is so faithful um, definitely adds to just really how I mean how faithful she is, like how strong she believes in God, because it was not. A common thing for people to believe in God at that time or, or even call out to him. And it, it appears yeah. that what she's saying is like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to commit my son to you. It's, it looks like she intends to have him be a Nazarite mm-hmm. um, with, 
he's not going to cut his hair. You, you might notice that from when we talked about Samson. Yeah. Uh, but the, the great news is Samuel is not going to be like Samson. Yeah. Which, which is a good thing for everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Hannah gets this, this son. Um, she dedicates him um, to become part of this priesthood. And we get introduced to Eli and his sons. Mm-hmm. And they're horrible. Uh, again, because we're in this period of the judges. So it's not really that big of a surprise that the priests are not great. It wasn't that long ago we were reading about uh, priests that were just like renting themselves out to serve idols and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, So these priests in particular are terrible uh, because they're just actually like freely stealing from the Israelites that come to offer sacrifices. Um, They're also getting into inappropriate relationships with the other women's servants. A lot of stuff happening. (laughs) Sounds like a hot mess, honestly. This seems not good. (laughs) And God really takes offense of that. Like he's not into this at all. Um, So we get this kind of bizarre... Um, promise from God that like, hey, your whole family is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a picture of just how like God takes His holiness pretty seriously, mm-hmm. and so these these priests that are supposed to be representing Him and serving Him openly yeah. and freely according to His law, especially the priests. <laughs> yeah, it's like what in the temple? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of expectation there for for the priests to be holy and sanctified. They're the ones that have to um, represent, you know, God. In his temple, and you know they were corrupt. You know his sons were corrupt, and and God's like, no, we can't, we can't have that. It's crazy. <laughs> we, we have to cut that off. So you have these people that are coming to the tabernacle to offer sacrifices to God, and their their first thing that they meet these guys are like, hey, give us the best meat. Mm-hmm. We actually like that's going to taste great. Mm-hmm. Like just give us that, and then yeah. it's like we will steal it from you by force if we have to. Crazy. So even people that are trying to be faithful are probably taken a little bit aback by that. Yeah. Um, so that I, I love this, this interchange that Samuel has with God. Um, Samuel is in the tabernacle. He's just a kid. Uh, God is calling out to him four times. God calls out to him. Um, I, I always thought this story was interesting, but one time I worked with this guy that noticed, um, that every time God speaks to Samuel, he sounds like Eli. Mm. Which I don't know if that, I don't know if that's like, wait, so he said that every time. That he sounded like Eli. I well, so what it doesn't say that specifically, yeah. but every time God calls to Samuel, Samuel assumes that Eli, Eli. is talking to yeah. him. So it could be that he it could be that, you know, it's just Samuel and Eli there. Yeah. You know, so he just assumes it's Eli. Mm-hmm. Um I I I just I love this the way that God is calling out. I love that God is waiting until he's ready to hear. Yeah. Um, and it just sets apart in this story, you know, you have these, these two sons who are completely unwilling to hear from God. They're actually, they don't actually care what God wants at all. Mm -hmm. And then you get this picture of Samuel who's like, okay, like I'm here, like, what would you like me to do? And it should cue us into there, there's a good shift coming. Um, also reading, reading this for the first time, um, there, or reading it today, uh, what really intrigued me was first Samuel two twenty six. It says, this is describing Samuel. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with people. So we're getting this picture of Samuel as growing up, becoming more mature, but also yeah. becoming more faithful um, to God. And it, it got my attention because it reminds me a lot of Luke two fifty two. So Luke two fifty two is describing Jesus. And it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's literally almost exactly the same line. Yeah. Um, comparing in some ways that Jesus is yeah. similar to Samuel and that he's 
wildly faithful mm-hmm. and clearly a part of God's plan. Yeah. I don't know if that's... And they've had to grow. Yeah, right. Know, they, they were little in, kids. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's parallels there. Um, so then we we get this story where they think they can just take the Ark down to defeat the Philistines. Uh, it turns out not working real great for them. <laughs> um, Chris had mentioned a while ago about how it's interesting to see the Israelites treating Yahweh um, like they would... Uh, these pagan gods like Baal and Ashtoreth. Yeah. yeah. So this is similar. I didn't notice that. Yeah. In one of the verses. What made you notice that? There was one of the verses where um, they said that the gods are... Which which verse is it? They said that the gods are coming. Yeah, the Philistines, yeah. when they're talking about Yahweh, they're talking about yeah. him plurally. Like plural. Like, like small g. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, they're gods. Like, they don't really realize... This, like, who really, who this God is. They have no idea. They just kind of compare him to the gods. Yep. But they recognize his power. Yep. You know. They're terrified. Yeah. Because they they talk about what happened in Egypt. Uh, But even the Israelites, I think it's interesting. The Israelites have this idea that if they take this magical ark down to defeat the Philistines, just taking the ark with them will help them. And so it's 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 a very big difference from Joshua talking directly with God about what he should do mm-hmm. because now they're just like, okay, we can take this magic box yeah. and it'll probably help us win. Magic box. And it, it doesn't because they're treating God like an idol. Yeah. They're interacting yeah. with God. Like you would interact with an idol. Like mm-hmm. I'll do this. I'll take this. I'll recognize this mm-hmm. and you'll do this. Yeah. Uh, and God obviously does not recognize that. And this does not end well. Yeah. So they just basically get slaughtered. Yeah. And God exercises his judgment, just like he said, on Hophni and Phineas. It's the mm-hmm. end for them. So. They're done. Is there anything else that you wanted to point out at all? Um, no, I was going to say, when you were talking about um, Eli calling to, to Samuel, mm-hmm. there's a verse there that says in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message yeah. from the Lord before. So I'm just thinking, like, again, that process, perhaps, where, you know, he had to grow in maturity. He had to grow in the word. Um, And also, like you said, like, the whole interaction between, like, perhaps, you know, him and Eli were the only ones there. And he thought, oh, you're, you know, you called, you called me. Yeah. Um, Because he couldn't differentiate, you know, who was calling him. So Eli had to instruct him and said, you know, he finally realized and said, hey, you know, Maybe, you know, that's God talking to him. So answer mm-hmm. him when he calls you again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just thought that was cool. I'm excited to get further into this story. I like this stuff. So, yeah. hey, we're so glad that you're uh, listening. We'll be back again tomorrow with uh, more of First Samuel, trying to understand who Samuel is and what, what direction this is going. So we'll see you tomorrow. Today we're reading from 1 Samuel, starting in chapter 1, verse 9. Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. 
Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she had said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went to their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now and may the Lord help keep you may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a 3-year-old bull for a sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his king. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Then Elkanah returned home to Ramah without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. While the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, Take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant was, would demand, No, give it to me now, or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. 
Each year, his mother made a small coat for him, and they brought it to him when they when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted in the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with people. One day, a man of God came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord. I revealed myself to your ancestors when they were in, when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of the people of Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. The time is coming when I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. You will watch with envy as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel, but no member of your family will ever live out their days. The few not cut off from serving at my altar will survive, but only so their eyes can go blind and their hearts break and their children will die a violent death. And to prove what I have said will come true, I will cause your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to die on the same day. Then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family, and they will be priests to my anointed kings forever. Then all your surviving family will bow before him, begging for money and food. Please, they will say, give us jobs among the priests so we will have enough to eat. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. 
And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifice or by offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him, but Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel said. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. At the time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer, and the Philistines were at Aphek. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. So they sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were also with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into the camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. What's going on? The Philistines asked. What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because the Ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp, they cried. This is a disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. Help! Who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness. Fight as never before, Philistines. If you don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves just as they have been ours. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelites' soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The Ark of God was captured, and Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.